Hi, welcome to the Midtown Vineyard Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us online. For daily encouragement, events, service times, and more, check out our website and social media. And now, this week's message. Good morning. We're so grateful for what God is doing uh, in our efforts to reach out to our community and uh, to the world. And this is a God-ordained partnership in Nagabi and uh, Rwandan. We're so excited, and we, we trust that, that we'll all be praying for the next couple of weeks. My wife, Christy, will be on that team. And uh, I'm Kevin Morris. It's great to be with you here this morning. Uh, we have been in a series since the beginning of the year, about halfway through, entitled The Heroes of Our Faith. And uh, we've looked at uh, Jonah and his journey, Jonah and the whale, and uh, David in the lion's den, and Abel, and last week was a great uh, message uh, on the life of Deborah. Uh, Noah, so many different characters. You know, I found out that Noah spent 75 years building the ark. What an incredible journey of faith. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, God must be doing something on the inside to be able to walk through that kind of life. And so this morning, I want to look at Abraham and his journey of faith, and it's actually recognized in the Bible as the father of faith. But before we dive into there, I want to take a second look at really at the verse that I believe is the hallmark of this series. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to take a dive into Abraham's life. But I believe that the fabric that God is doing really through all of these characters we're looking at is God is developing faith in his children. And he's doing that in us today. So as we look at these characters, we can see that God works with us and relates with us. He doesn't change the way he relates to Abraham. He wants to relate to us. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Our faith is the substance. Your translation may read the word assurance. Notice it doesn't say that our faith gives us assurance. Our faith is the assurance. You know, oftentimes we misunderstand. We think faith is some undefinable thing, this disposition. If we can muster up enough enough belief then we may have conviction about something. But faith doesn't bring about the conviction. It is the conviction. It is the substance that God is alive and well in your life and that produces a good testimony. All of these characters that we've been studying for the last couple of months, God was producing a good testimony about the living God. How else do you go out and build an ark for 75 years without something substantially evident on the inside? Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. We often feel like we have to measure our faith by something we can see, whether it's an answered prayer or a result or something we hope for, something we want to see happen that we can, we can hold on to. But the script, writers of scriptures don't necessarily address faith in that manner. That's something we can achieve, something we can see. But rather they address faith itself as the substance and the evidence of what God is doing. That it is, it is the good testimony that God is producing in our life. It is precious to the Lord. And so our answered prayers is not the evidence of our faith. Our faith is the evidence of our faith. It is the substance. 1 Peter 1, 7 through 9 says, The proof of your faith, 
results in praise and glory to God. So the things that we desire, the things that we hope for, the things that we want to see in our life, God is using that process to purify and strengthen our faith. How many of you know things just don't happen like this in the kingdom of God? There's a process. God wants to bless you. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to give you good things, but he wants to use the process to build and strengthen our faith. Why? Because it is our testimony. Our testimony is not so much what God does for us or what God does through us, but what God is doing in us. So don't be discouraged. Don't get impatient. Don't feel like, where is God? Don't, don't feel like, why I'm on this detour? I thought God said something to me, and it's nothing's happening. Something is happening. God is building our faith. And so let's look at the journey of Abraham and how God built his faith over his life. If you'll turn, you're already in Hebrews 11. Let's look at verses 8 through 19 as we see how God develops faith in Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, even as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Let's skip this paragraph. We'll come back to it later. But verse 17, stick to Abraham's story. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So there are four seasons I want to highlight from the passage we just read in the story of Abraham's journey of faith. And you'll see this pretty much summarizes Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham is introduced to Genesis chapter 26, where he dies. And these four seasons serve as a model of how God develops faith in us. The first is his call. God called Abraham. The second season is his journey of life. It turns out his entire life journey was a journey of faith because he, he was always wandering like an alien and a stranger in a foreign land. The third season I want us to look at is the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise that God gave him when he gave birth to his son Isaac. Actually, he was 100 years old when that happened and his wife was 90. We'll take a look at how God began to fulfill the promises spoken. And the last season is his test, where God tested him to do the unthinkable. And he passed that test with flying colors because God was at work throughout his life, developing his faith in the same way he wants to develop your faith and mine. So let's look at Abraham's call. We read just verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not 
know where he was going. He had nothing to go on. Can you imagine that? He just started walking, not knowing where he was going. He believed God. It was just a simple willingness to say yes. Abraham's faith was not based on his experience. This may have been his first encounter with God. We know in the book of Joshua chapter 24 that it says his father Terah worshiped many gods in his homeland. But there's something happened when you meet the one true living God. There is no denying There's no denying that something is real, something is eternal, something is life-changing, and Abraham had that experience, and based on very, very little information, he obeyed and went by faith. Oftentimes, we wait to obey God until we have enough information. We may get get an impression or something, and we're like, well, that just doesn't make sense to me. Let, me. let me see if there's more information out there. But yet God calls us to obey with whatever information we have. By faith, we can obey God with little information like Abraham because that's how often how he works. In our act of obedience, he builds our faith in that manner. This is normal. God speaks to me this way with very little information. I gotta be honest with you. Sometimes I don't like it. I wish he'd say more. But this is how he relates to us. And I wonder why, if in the book of Psalms it says, your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. God doesn't have these big spotlights most of the time showing us the next four years and get us a fax every morning saying, these are the 12 things I want you to do today. That he lights up our path one step at a time. You take that one step. There's enough light for that step. You may not have light for the 10th step, But as you take that step, the light continues to shine on the step in front of you. That's what Abraham did. He just walked, not knowing where he was going. So his his response of obedience wasn't based on the amount of information he received, nor was it based on his circumstances or timing. If you look back in the verse we just read in Hebrews 11, it says he would later receive this land as an inheritance. So there was no guarantee of an immediate rate of return in the immediate future in this life. God had called him to leave everything. That must have been uncomfortable. And it turns out, as you read the book of Genesis, he never went back to his homeland. He had to say goodbye to his homeland, to his family. And God does that many ways in our relationship with him. He says, there's things I want you to say goodbye to. There's things I want you to let go of. And I just want you to follow me. Like he spoke to Peter when they were fishermen. He just said, follow me to Peter. That was it. There wasn't a whole lot of information there. And the Bible says they dropped their nets and they followed him. And as we follow him, he begins to reveal himself more and more. So Abraham had very little to go on. He left everything. He walked by faith. And his inheritance was to be received later. At first, it doesn't sound like a very good deal. Until... He developed a relationship with God. And God would later tell Abraham in James chapter 2, verse 22, that you are a friend of God. That was his reward. That was his joy. That's what motivated his act of obedience. When God calls, there's no denying that God is real and God is in our midst. So the second season where God develops faith in the life of Abraham is really his entire journey. We read in verse 10 that by faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land 
like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It turns out his entire life was a life of faith. He gets this promise that I'm going to give you this promised land, and he lives in it his entire life as a stranger and an alien, living in tents. He first got there, he bounced around from Shechem to the Negev, back to Beersheba. Shortly after he got there, the Bible says there was a severe famine in the land, not just a supply chain shortage or or, uh, or just a famine, but a severe famine. You wonder how he must have felt. I left everything for you. I'm following on almost no information. I get here and there's a famine. I got to go to Egypt just to stay alive. And we wonder sometimes the detours. We think our detours in our lives. The, the things that, God, I thought you said this. Why is this happening? Did I not hear you? Did I not understand you? But all the while, God was developing faith in Abraham. God was building his faith while he was in Egypt. The famine eventually subsided. He comes back. He bounces around to all sorts of towns, and God begins to show him a little bit more of his promise. As we obey God and take a a step of faith, he will eventually begin to reveal more of his plan. And God showed him the boundaries of the promised land. And he says, I simply want you to go survey this area because I'm giving this land to your descendants that will one day be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. So he packs up his tent all the time and goes from place to place and actually surveys the entire promised land. But all the while, he lived as a stranger and an alien, never having his own sense of home, always on someone else's land. There was always some other people group that lived there, always feeling unwelcome as a stranger, but God was his home. That's how he was able to pack up his tent every day because God was his home. And the strains and the the craziness of life, God must be our home. We know as followers of Jesus that our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20, this is not our home. And Jesus understood that when he prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 16 and 18. He says, Lord, they are not of the world as I am not of the world. And as you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. So Jesus got this idea and he he imparted it to his disciples that you're here for a reason. God sent you here by design. He knows the time you're going to live and the place you're going to live. And he established it and he ordered it according to his perfect will. But this is not your home. You see, God, for those of us who've, who've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's put a seed, he's put something in our heart that always longs for something more. It doesn't make us better. It just means we've tasted of the riches of God's glory. We've tasted of the riches of knowing Jesus, and nothing else satisfies. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 that I count all things lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Abraham lived his life as a stranger and a foreigner but his home was in God. The bottom line is, if we're following Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're just not gonna feel at home in this world. And that's okay, because we live by faith, not by sight. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7. In other words, the, the significance or value of our life is not measured by what we see, but the depth and breadth of our life is measured by what is unseen. Our relationship with God, the faith, the substance, the evidence that God is alive and well in us, that is the life and breadth of our life. And God put within us a longing, a longing for more. That there's nothing here that satisfies. Psalm 84, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And that's the faith that called Abraham to get up every morning, pick up his tent, and move somewhere else, to just simply follow his God by faith, knowing that this was not his ultimate home. There's a third season in the life of Abraham where we see God developing his faith, and that's in verse 11 and 12, which we just read. I'll read it again. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. God showed up to Abraham and Sarah on two separate occasions when he was 99 and she was 89. This was one of five different times where God added to his promise, where God revealed more because Abraham took a step of faith, so God gave more information. And this was one of the times when they were 99 and 89, he says, by the way, you're going to bear the son that's going to be the heir to this promise. It's not going to be someone else. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be someone that works for you. It's going to be your son. And Sarah laughed, the Bible says. And Abraham questioned God. And, but God did not hold that against him. He had every right to, but he didn't. Instead, he used that year to build their faith. And that's what God does in our life. He's constantly looking for ways to build our faith because it is our testimony about him. So we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes, but continue to trust God. Continue to have faith in him because he is building our faith so he can do things that only he can do. You know, there's going to come times in our life where we just don't have enough faith to do what God's called us to do. And Sarah was in this position when she laughed. But the Bible says that God enabled her to bear a child, even though she was past childbearing age. Why? Because she considered him who is faithful. If our faith is nothing more than our ability to believe, to muster up enough spiritual energy to believe in something, then we're going to be able to accomplish human things in our life. But we may sell ourselves short and miss out on the things that God wants to do because when we put our faith in the faithful one, then he can do things that only he can do. Faith is not our ability to achieve a desired result. It is our belief and our absolute dependence on a faithful God. And so she was enabled to do the impossible because she took her eyes off of her faith onto the faithful one. There comes a time in life where we have to take our eyes out of the outcome and place them squarely on the God of the outcome. There comes a time in life where we have to take our eyes off the promise and place our eyes squarely on the one who promises. And by doing so, she was enabled to do the impossible. 
The outcome was no longer an object of her faith. It was no longer tied to her heart. The God became the outcome on which her faith rested and trusted. So from one man as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore from a 100-year-old man and 90-year-old woman. Believing God is important in our journey. Do you see that here? Anytime we turn our attention to desired results or things we hope for or things we can see, we may be selling ourselves short to what God wants to do miraculously in our lives. We must put our faith in the faithful one. So trust in God. If things are not working out like you expected, trust that God is working things out like he expects. So where does God challenge you to trust him today? You know, we don't have to look very far. Maybe we can start by the things he's already spoken to us. Take that first step and he'll light up the next step. Begin walking by faith and he'll reveal his plan more and more. There's a fourth and final season in Abraham's life that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 where God was developing his faith and that is his test. Abraham was tested to do the unthinkable. And we read in verse 17 to 19, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By this time, Abraham had been walking with God for 40 to 50 years. He'd been walking by faith, and he passed this test with amazing colors, which I think is, is unbelievable. This is an unthinkable test. And many times in our lives, we see tests of God, or we don't even see him at all. We just think that things didn't work out, or maybe I didn't hear God, or, or, or you know, why did God abandon me, or this is too hard. But actually, our tests are not, not necessarily designed to show us where we messed up. They're designed to show what God has been doing. And this is exactly what happened in the life of Abraham. He had been walking with God. He had been working with God. When we work with God, God works with us. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you to will and to act to his good pleasure. And Abraham had seen this before. He had seen God working in his life. And so this test came along. It wasn't that big a deal for him, which I think is amazing. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Have you heard that before? We read Genesis chapter 12, and it says, I want you to leave your country and go to the land I will show you. So Abraham in his mind's thinking, I've heard this before. I've seen this play out. I know how it ends. I can trust God because he has been faithful to me. He's never let me down. He won't fail. What a beautiful worship set we just, we just enjoyed. He won't fail. He's seen this before. And our history of God unites our faith with us. And if, if you feel like you don't have a history, guess what? You can start today. You can start today and discover God's faithfulness, that he'll never let us down. And so he goes off on this trek, and Isaac starts to get a little worried after a while. He's like, okay, we got this wood here, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham just 
quickly responds. He says, God will provide. Because his life was, was developing to the point where he didn't look at the provision. He looked at the God who provides. He wasn't looking at the promise. He was looking at the God of the promise. So much so that if this thing went down like it, like it was foretold, that God would even raise his son back from death. Because his eyes were squarely fixed on the God of the promise and not the promise. So they get up to this mountain and they put the wood on the altar and the makeshift altar out in the mountain and Isaac climbs up on the, uh, on the altar, he binds him and he goes as far as pulling out his flint knife and an angel of the Lord comes and says, Abraham, wait, wait, your faith has pleased God, don't do this. And immediately, immediately he saw a ram in the bushes a ram in the thicket. He unbound his son. They got the ram, put him on the altar. They made their sacrifice and they worshiped. And I promise you, Isaac worshiped like nobody's business that day. There's no excuse not to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I was dead and now I'm alive. And he worshiped God like there was no tomorrow. So let's go back to read the section of Hebrews that we skipped in verse 6, 13 through 16, you're still in chapter 11. To kind of sum up what God is doing in all of these characters as we're in the middle of our series, The Heroes of Our Faith. It reads, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Every one of these heroes of the faith that we've been studying since the beginning of the year, they lived by faith. And they died in faith, seeing the promises and welcoming them from a distance. They weren't always actualized in our present world. And there are things in life, even things that may have been promised, that we will not experience in this lifetime. And that is a call for us to draw closer to God. It is wonderful to see the fulfillment of promises, but that is not what the focus of Scripture is about. The focus of Scripture is about our faith itself, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the good testimony that God is alive and well in our lives. These heroes of the faith were looking for something more. They were not going back. If they, had if they had wanted to go back, if they had entertained the idea of going back, they would have gone back. For Noah to build the ark for 75 years. Was there one not day, not one day he wanted to quit? But he was looking for something more. Looking for something better. God had put something, a seed in his heart that there was something more. And his faith was forward thinking. Our faith needs to be looking towards the future, not wrapped up in thinking about what was or what could have been or what should have been. But there's always a desire in us for a better place. Whatever we think we will receive in this life pales in comparison 
to what will be received in eternity. It doesn't come close. There's nothing here that truly satisfies our soul like Jesus himself. In James 2.23, Abraham was called the friend of God. And God even went further and said, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. That's how important our faith is. God considered Abraham righteous because of the faith that was in him. That's how important it is. God is at work in your life. If you don't, if you feel out of place, if you don't trust that he loves you, trust that he is working, trust that he has a plan, trust that he is developing your faith. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to bless you. He wants to fill you with good things, but he wants to use that process to develop your faith. To, to, to make the good testimony that all the world would see that Jesus is in you. Jesus, the light of the world, lives in you. God's promise to Abraham was much bigger than he could understand. Abraham died in faith, only seeing and welcoming the full promises of God from a distance. We just read that. If only he knew. The last thing God told Abraham was that your descendants are going to go away as slavery, as slaves for 400 years, but they're going to come out. It's the last thing he heard. If only he knew that God would raise up a Moses and he would go to Pharaoh and he would say, let my people go and miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle would happen until 1.5 million descendants of Abraham would be released from slavery into freedom towards the promised land. If only he knew God would raise up a Joshua and a Caleb and said, we can take this place. We can take possession of the promise of God made to our father Abraham. We can take possession of this place. And even though they didn't drive out everyone, as Tommy pointed out last week, generation by generation, they slowly but surely saw the reality of the fulfillment promised to Abraham of possession of the promised land. If Abraham only knew that 14 generations after his death, he would raise up a David. And a David would unify the descendants of Abraham as the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah come together for the first time. And they would worship the one true living God as one people. And God would promise David that there will never cease to be a descendant of yours on the throne. If Abraham only knew that 42 generations after he died, God would send Jesus and he would come and walk among us and he would show us what the father is like and he would make a way for us to know the father by his death on the cross. He who had no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God and he would die and be buried and and rise from the dead and he would ascend to the heavens and take his rightful throne to fulfill the promise of David that you will never cease to have a descendant on your throne. But more than that, he would go and prepare a place for us, the ultimate promised land that was promised to Abraham 42 generations before. And in that place, there would be his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Abraham didn't know all that. He had a little bit of information But by faith, he obeyed God. You and I have no idea all that God's doing in our lives. 
the little things that we think are little and insignificant. God is saying, obey me by faith. Put your entire trust in me. You have no idea the ramifications of how this may affect your life, the life of your loved ones, the life of people you don't even know, the lives of people not even in this time period. Because that's how important our faith is to God. In Genesis 26, 5, God said of Abraham that he obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my, discreet, my decrees, and my instructions. God, give us hearts of obedience. Give us hearts of faith. Abraham didn't understand it all. We have so much more information. I want to close if you'll turn your page to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll look at verse 1 and 2, which essentially sum, summarizes every character we've been talking about. I'm so excited about this series. Next week, we're going to hear from the life of Esther. This has been incredible to see how God builds faith in so many people, and he wants to do the same in us. And Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. These are the great cloud of witnesses. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Moses. We heard about Daniel. Great message on Deborah last week. These are our great cloud of witnesses who had little information, yet Abraham walked not knowing where he was going. We know where we were going. How much more should we be emboldened to run with perseverance? Throwing off everything that holds us back. Getting rid of everything. Like Abraham, he had to walk away from everything to follow God. There's no way he could do it. He never went back to his homeland to let go of the sin that so easily entangles. And you and I both know it easily entangles. Just say no. Just say yes to God. Just trust him with all your heart. When you don't see the realities that you want to see, when you, don't, you can't touch and feel and experience the things you hope for, just trust God. We do this by fixing our eyes squarely on Jesus and nothing else. Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. When you come to know Jesus Christ, he deposits a substance, evidence, a good testimony in you. And we call that faith. And he spends the rest of your life developing that building that, drawing you closer to him. Things often don't turn out like you expect. They often don't turn out like you want. We always don't get what we desire, but God is building our faith. And because we have God, we have everything. We have everything. I consider everything a loss compared with the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. So we fix our eyes squarely on Jesus. Not on the promise, but the one who promised. Not on the outcome, but the God of the outcome. Not even on our faith, but the faithful one. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence here. 
Thank you for your word. Help us to respond in faith. Some of you may want to put actions to what is stirring in you. We have the communion table over here. You may want to just get up and just take communion and however it is in your own way. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood, for dying on the cross for me. God, I receive your forgiveness. Lord, I want to turn away from those sins that so easily entangle me. I just make a statement today, Lord Jesus. You may want to come and light a candle as just an act of faith. I did this last week for the first time. There was something in Tommy's message that resonated in my heart. And I knew I needed to respond to God. And I was thinking, you know, what's this candle thing? But I had a very meaningful experience. There's something that when we step out in faith and put action to what God's doing in us, that God meets us in a special way. We have these needlers up front. You may just want to come, whatever it is, or you can, you can meet with God in your own seat. But don't miss what God is saying to you today. Is there something he's asking you to step out in faith in, to wholeheartedly trust him? Is there something he's asking you to leave behind to follow him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? May this be a moment where our lives are fully surrendered to a faithful and loving God. Thank you again for joining us online. We hope you enjoyed the message. To connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on who we are, check out our website, midtownvineyardchurch.com. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you leave us a review or drop us a comment. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you.